Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today, as a bit of a follow-up to our Why You Shouldn't Write an Elaborate Background episode that we did all the way back in June, episode 24, this episode is titled The Story Is What Happens Now. Mm-hmm. So, as I say, we talked about this in our episode 24 back in June. Top 10 reasons you shouldn't do an elaborate background. And now I've come down pretty heavily as not being a fan of extensive backgrounds. Sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle to explain why. And obviously we tried to do that in the previous episode. Now, I was watching a a video by a channel on YouTube called Full Fat Videos Mm -hmm. recently. And they cover a lot of sci-fi stuff and Doctor Who stuff and stuff like that, which I'm quite a big fan of. And I was watching one of their videos about the recent mega retcon in Doctor Who with the Timeless Child storyline. And I recommend if you're interested in that, you check out their video. We'll put a link in the description. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of this episode or the the storyline in Doctor Who. I haven't really watched the last couple of seasons. But again, I was hard pushed to exactly explain why I didn't like it. Now, on Full Fat Video's Doctor Who video, they explain that their issue with this whole plot arc is that it changes a character from being special because of what they do and the choices they make to having been special from birth due to some kind of pre-established destiny. Mm -hmm. And now, personally for me, I've never heard a better rationale for my personal dislike of long backgrounds for D&D characters than that. Now, don't get me wrong, backgrounds can be great if they provide plot hawks or they give a sense of mystery or interest that colours the character's current actions and how they are portrayed. However, as far as I'm concerned, the main point of the game is to have fun and adventure during the actual game. Once a background gets beyond a certain point, again, in my opinion, it starts to feel like the majority of interesting things has already happened to the player character sort of off camera before the game actually starts. And sort of, if you make build it up too much, whatever you do in the game isn't going to live up to that background. I've often felt with the players that have experienced doing this with backgrounds... A part of it seems to be to be able to have like a lot of additional resources that the GM has to allow them access to because yes. yeah. they're the hero of so-and-so place or they're a member of such-and-such guild or they used to be apprenticed to so-and-so wizard or more often than not with the kind of extensive backgrounds that we're talking about here, yeah. all three and some other stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I can see that being a problem because generally you want to have all the players starting off on like a reasonable, sort of even kill at the start of the game. And I'm not saying everyone does this, but I've certainly witnessed, as you say, people trying to like hedge their bets and get a few extra bits and pieces via via the background. And it's also that having access to those kind of things isn't just something that you need to earn in game, but it's something that you need to work out with the GM. Yeah, yeah. And it needs to be part of the GM's world. You can't just bring in the Thieves' Guild of such-and-such city unless the GM's decided that there is a Thieves' Guild in that city. Yeah, and I think you're making a very important distinction there because there's some games, like Dungeon World's the first one that leaps to my mind, where you create the world in concert with the player characters. So 
you, you might say to the player character, the guy, I'm a member of the Thieves Guild, you might say to the players, well, what's the Thieves Guild like? And in that sort of game, it's more acceptable, but as you were saying, it needs to be a conversation between the GM and the players. And again, in that sort of game, everybody's there contributing all yes. at the same time. Yeah. Whereas when I've experienced players doing this like massive background thing, it tends to be one player in the game mm. who produces like reams and reams of paperwork and nobody feels like they can compete with them. Yeah. Now, to, to sort of put a slightly different angle on this, uh, as well as my old school essentials game I'm running at the minute, I'm also running a 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade game with Ambrose and Johannes playing in it. Now, part of that game is creating these links to your mortal life and these backgrounds and both players have come up with like a reasonable background to explain those but that is all part of the system it's not someone mm -hmm. trying to get sort of a leg up on everyone else mm -hmm. so it works in that context now for me if we're talking about D&D &D or like old school essentials or stuff like that the type of D&D &D I prefer uh, is it's one where aside from the fact they've got like a player class the average sort of PCs, they're not that much more special than the common masses of like peasants that populate a typical D&D &D world. Um, they don't start the game as special, they're not destined for greatness simply because they're the player characters. They become special over the course of the game by virtue of the actions they do during the game. So why does this matter to you, John? If a character's destined to be special, then, in a way, greatness is sort of being thrust upon them regardless of whatever their personal choices are. And if there's no, if there's no payoff or consequences for their personal choice, because regardless of whatever they do, they're destined for greatness, they're always going to be the chosen one, they're always going to be amazing, then it takes away one of the fundamental things I love about RPGs, and that is player agency. Now, even if I'm not a player and I'm a GM, I love it when the players do things that surprises me, makes me think on my feet, changes the game world in some way, alters the plot. That's one of the things that really appeals about RPGs to me. Now, you can have like an excellent board game or something like that, and you can have a really fun time playing that, or a card game, or, or whatever, or a miniatures game, whatever, but you don't have that sense where... The players can think outside the box. They can do something that surprises you. In a board game or a war game, 99.9% .9 of the time, everything that happens is adjudicated by the rules. Now, I know this can make it a bit difficult for GMs when they're first starting, when the players go like, oh, I want to do this, and it's not covered by the rules. You have to think on your feet. And it can make it a bit tricky at the start, but by handling that, you learn how to better handle it in future. And... Although, like, when I first started, like many people, I'm sure I found that quite annoying when play You almost feel like the players are trying to trip you up or, like, trick you in some way. But as time's gone on, I've come to realise that if none of this ever happened, then it'd be very much just, like, sort of, like, painting by numbers. If everything happens according to an adventure I've written or a pre-written module I'm using, there's no surprises in the game for me as the GM, and it's just me sort of going through the motions of doing it. Whereas if the players have agency, they're free to do whatever they want. Obviously, if they do like something ridiculous, like jump off a cliff and flap their arms, there are going to be consequences. They'll inevitably fall to their death or at least take a load of damage. But if they want to do that, they're free to do it. But there are consequences to people's actions. 
Now, over the years, a lot of people, myself included, have weighed in on the subject of railroading in RPGs. And this is where the GM effectively puts the players on a set of rails, and whatever action they take, a predetermined ending or destination is going to occur. Now, I'm not saying railroading is 100% a terrible thing. There are occasions when it can be used, you know, one-shots, con games, stuff like that. But generally in a campaign game, I don't regard it as contributing to an enjoyable game. So how does railroading link character backgrounds and character destinies? Well, if you've got a predetermined destiny or your character's always going to become something really great, then effectively the character's just riding those rails until they reach their destination. So if you think about it, you get on a train, don't you? You buy your ticket, Mm -hmm. you sit down on your chair, you know where you're going, and barring any unexpected incidents, you arrive at your destination after a set period of time, whatever that might be. Contrast that with, like, if you and your friends decide to go for a bit of a road trip on, like, a weekend or whatever, I mean, obviously not at the minute, but you (laughs) jump into a car, you might have some rough plans, you don't know exactly where you're going, what's going to happen, and that brings, like, a level of excitement to it, you know, if you and your friends are like, oh, let's just go somewhere. There's a reason the road trip as a thing is, like, lodged so deeply in our psyche. It's like the excitement and the uncertainty of the open road. Now, I can't think of anyone, when they're talking about a train journey, who's Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get on this train and sit there for two hours to get to exactly where I know where I'm going to end up. No one gets that excited about it. And for me, it's the same in RPGs. If you start a session, and because players are pretty intelligent, if it's obvious they're on rails, they'll work it out. And I can't think of any time I've jumped into a session and thought, oh, I can see this session's... Whatever happens, we're going to end up facing off against this big bad guy. Or whatever happens, we're going to end up at the Haunted Manor or whatever. As soon as I realise that, the level of excitement and engagement for me drops. Because it's like it's not a case of, oh, we're going to end up somewhere because there's something we've done. Or our actions are going to lead to this confrontation or this is going to happen. It's just a case of me going like, well, the GM's decided we're going to get here. And regardless of what we do, we're going to end up here. And I'm not saying I'll cause problems in a game or deliberately try and like throw it off the rails because of that. I'm sure I probably would have done in my younger days. But having sort of done more GMing now, I wouldn't do that. But still, the excitement level's not there. But aren't you more talking about the difference between sandbox games and planned games now? No, no, I don't think I, don't think I am really because... A, sa- a sandbox, I see the distinction you're trying to make, but to me, a sandbox game is where the GM just sort of plonks you down in a setting and goes, have at it, and you can do whatever you want. A planned game for me isn't necessarily a railroaded game. So a planned game might be me saying, I've got this pre-published adventure module, this is the adventure module, I put you down in it, but once I've put you down in that module, or once you're engaged with that module what you do and how you go about it is still up to you. Now, if I did that planned module and I was sort of forcing you along the route I wanted you to take, then that would be railroaded. Whereas if I go, okay, so you've you've been hired, you might have a bit of sort of railroaded at the start if you want to start people like in media res, like in the middle of it. So rather than like having, oh, you're in a tavern, someone offers you a job or whatever, I might just start the adventure saying, you've been hired by this noble to rescue his daughter from like the, the evil Lord's castle. But then once I've said that, how you approach the castle, what you do is up to you. You might never rescue the 
the, the noble's daughter. You, you might try and bribe some of the guards to let you in. You might end up working for the evil lord. However you want to approach it, that is down to you, unless I'm railroading you through it. So I don't think planned necessarily always equals railroading. Because I think you could, if you wanted to, have the appearance of a sandbox campaign and you could just as easily railroad someone. So let's say I plunk you down in the middle of a blank sort of terrain map and I'm like, oh, go where you want. And then I just decide, well, wherever you go, whichever direction you take, you're going to come across a cave that's got a hydra in it. I'm still railroading you there, even though technically it's a sandbox game because I'm just deciding exactly what you're going to come across. Whereas if I populate the map and then just say, go for it, that's your decision. You've still got player agency. Now, when I'm playing, I, I want that level of excitement, that level of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to come next. As I've said, as soon as I work out that I'm on rails and it doesn't really matter what decisions I make, my, my tendency is to like not make decisions because I'm like, it doesn't matter. I may as well just kick back and relax and wait until we get to the end of the adventure. Whereas if I'm playing in an adventure where my decisions are important, that prompts me to want to make decisions. So we might have a goal, like we say in the example, rescue the noble's daughter from the evil lord's castle. If that's the goal, and I know my decisions are going to affect it, I want to make decisions that are going to drive that story on. And I'm interested to find out what's going to happen. Whereas as soon as I know, oh, whatever I do, we're going to end up in a, a final fight against the evil lord and we'll rescue the noble's daughter. Then I'm like, I may as well not worry about it, to be honest. Uh, but, but to me, it's it's that excitement that makes a game worth playing. You know, will your character eventually become a hero? Are you going to survive this adventure? Are you going to die in the dark dungeon? Are you going to settle down and raise a family? Are you going to build a fortress? It's all that stuff that makes the game interesting to me. But when I'm on the other side of the table and I'm the GM, I want the players to have that level of excitement, that trepidation, that feeling that they're stepping into the unknown and knowing that their character's actions are going to shape the story. It's not something I've just sat down and written beforehand. It's something that both them and me are writing at the table as the adventure unfolds. Okay, so in closing, I want to wrap up this episode with a quote that I've seen attributed to numerous different individuals as I was doing the research for this recording, and one that for me encapsulates something that beats at the very heart of D&D and other RPGs. And that is, heroes are made, not born. So there you go. There are my thoughts on why you shouldn't potentially railroad people and why the story is what goes on at the table. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can leave us a message on SpeakPipe. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. Or you can drop us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye.